We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the LakersNation.com live post-game show slash podcast. You'll be listening to it tomorrow. Might be the podcast version that you're listening to. The Lakers do follow the Jazz 122-109. to We'll break down what happened in this game. I'll be taking questions and comments from everybody coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter. So welcome in. I have a feeling we're not going to be talking so much about this game in particular, but about... Maybe tomorrow's game, maybe the rest of the season, maybe even a little bit of offseason. Have a feeling Lakers fans might be ready to discuss the offseason as well. So, again, Lakers fall 122-109, to but as I put in the title, they do get some good news on LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Both of them, both of them now, not just one like we heard earlier today, planning to play in tomorrow's game against the New Orleans Pelicans. Right now, it sounds like both are on track now. That could be derailed should they get out on the floor tomorrow and feel a little bit too sore to, to play. Um, both of them coming back from ankle injuries. Hopefully, though, both will be playing because tomorrow's game against the Pelicans, it is kind of do or die. Um, there's not very many winnable games left on the Lakers schedule. That means you have to take advantage of each and every one. So LeBron and AD both planning on playing in tomorrow's game against the Pelicans. It's a must win. It's a, I mean, last game against the Pelicans was a must win. This is... This might be it. Like, lose this game, and that's probably all she wrote in terms of, of any hope of making the play-in tournament. As of this moment, after losing to the Utah Jazz, that pulls the San Antonio Spurs back even with the Lakers, which then pushes the Spurs into the 10 spot because the Spurs do have the tiebreaker over the Lakers. So, the Lakers have got to get the win tomorrow. LeBron and AD should be back in action again, unless something just doesn't feel right when they get on the court tomorrow. They should be back in action and maybe that gives the Lakers a little bit of a burst down the stretch and what they need to get into the play-in tournament. But we'll see. We'll see how all that goes. Again, the Lakers haven't been necessarily all that great, even when they've had all of their players available. But again, having LeBron and Anthony Davis certainly much, much better than not having those guys. We'll see what kind of an impact it can make tomorrow against the Pelicans. Now, as far as this game, I'm seeing a lot of people already saying this game wasn't a bad game. Yeah, look, th this game tonight against the Utah Jazz, 
I can't look at this game and say, oh, it was clearly effort. If the Lakers had tried, if they had put forth enough effort, they could have won this game. No, this, this game was a talent discrepancy. The Lakers, without LeBron, without Anthony Davis, are not as good as the Utah Jazz. That's plain and simple. I thought the guys who were on the floor competed. They played hard, even all the way down the stretch. We saw Russell Westbrook wrestling rebounds away from Rudy Gobert and then pushing in fast break. He kicks out to a, mellow, to a Carmelo Anthony wide open three, and he misses it. But that was just a great effort play by Russell Westbrook. And you just saw the Lakers not quite be able to execute to the same degree that the Jazz can. And again, part of that was just they don't they don't have enough healthy players to do stuff like that. But I thought effort-wise, energy-wise, the Lakers were just fine in this one. I was a little bit worried going in, thinking that, you know, might the Lakers just be looking ahead to the Pelicans game? Particularly once news started leaking out about LeBron and AD coming back, might they be looking at this game as kind of just a sunk cost? Okay, let's just get ahead to the Pelicans game. But no, the Lakers very clearly didn't approach it that way. We saw guys fighting uh, and playing hard all game long. And that's something that we've certainly been asking for in this game. Just to go over some of the stats from this one, impressive performance out of Dwight Howard, 9-13 shooting, 12 boards, 1 steal, 21 points, but 30 minutes. I hope they didn't burn him out too much tonight because they're going to need him tomorrow night against Jonas Valanciunas. Russell Westbrook, I thought it was a solid performance for him. 24 points, 6 boards, 7 assists, 9 of 18 shooting, 6 of 10 from the free throw line. He was hustling. He was doing what he could out there to help out this Lakers team. Malik Monk, 5 for 13. Not the prolific scoring game the Lakers needed out of Malik Monk. You could tell part of the way through the third quarter, Frank Vogel made a very conscious adjustment to try to get Monk going on the offensive end, to try to get him more involved. Kind of worked, but was not enough punch for the Lakers. 14 points for him, four boards, four assists. Carmelo Anthony, 5 for 11, four boards, 12 points, but 0 of 3 from 3. I didn't think it was a great performance out of Carmelo Anthony. There were a couple of pull-up jumpers that he hit that were in rhythm, but in general, the ball really stopped moving whenever it got to Carmelo Anthony. You knew that shot was going up. It's kind of Melo's MO, but still, it was kind of a hit-or-miss performance, and on tonight's game, he missed, uh, particularly from three. Taylor Horton Tucker, five for eight, two boards, two assists, two steals, 11 points. The other Laker to get into double figures. Scoring DJ Augustine, three of four from deep. He continues to light it up from behind the arc for your Los Angeles Lakers. So that, that was something there. Sean Tate, do you believe the Lakers will make the play? And right now it is less likely that they will make the play than, than likely. So let's say if we're looking at the Lakers schedule and you're looking at the Spurs schedule, both have really different difficult schedules down the stretch. The Lakers have two games where you'd look at it and say, okay, they probably have a pretty good shot of winning those games. And that's the Pelicans game tomorrow night and the Thunder game, the second to last game of the season. Those are the two games that stand out on the schedule for the Lakers. The The Spurs have two games as well, two games against the Blazers. Those are kind of gimme wins at this point because the Blazers aren't really playing anybody. They, they don't really have much of a team anymore. They've had so many injuries, so many guys out for the year. Um, so if that's the case, if the Spurs win their two games against the Blazers and the Lakers only win the two games against the Pelicans and against the Thunder, that's it. Lakers are out. Lakers are out. That's how it goes. And the Lakers, they have to win one more game than the Spurs. And so because of that, I could see them not making it. I also saw a Spurs team that was really competing, really, really competing, really getting after it. And they almost beat the Grizzlies last night. Now the Grizzlies without John Morant, 
But still, we've seen that team be successful. The Lakers got very, very lucky. The Spurs, Keldon Johnson missed a layup at the buzzer to beat the Grizzlies last night. Otherwise, that would have really put the Lakers in a tough spot had the Spurs managed to get an upset win over the Grizzlies. But the Spurs, the way they're playing right now, they're playing like they want in the play-in and they really want to knock the Lakers out. So if the Spurs manage to pull off an upset win here or there, even just one, I think that's going to make it very, very unlikely that the Lakers do make it in. Abdullah Ali said, is there any way we can get Gary Trent Jr. next year? Uh, via trade, sure. Via trade, you could you could get him. Um, the question is, what are you going to give? What are you going to give the Raptors in order to go get Gary Trent Jr.? What is it that they want that you, that you have? Is it Taylor Horton Tucker? That's that's not enough. So what else are you willing to sacrifice to get Gary Trent Jr.? I think that he's a guy the Lakers like, but I wouldn't say he'd be a guy that'd be necessarily easy to get. That's going to be a challenge. Maddie James with a super chat. Trev, do you think the rumors of the Lakers looking at entertaining the idea of trading AD would be a good idea, especially since you're more likely to have AD on the bench the majority of the season versus playing? I think you can look at trading AD under a few circumstances. So if, if Anthony Davis says, you know what? I wouldn't mind moving on. Okay. So that opens the door for you. If Anthony Davis is saying, no, I want to stay. I feel like the Lakers have kind of been working side by side with AD for long enough to where they might wind up just hanging on to him. Uh, if he really pushes to stay, I don't think you think you go against him, but if he says I'm willing to, to look for, for something else, this, the struggle is that you, you'd be trading AD in part to right the wrongs of last summer. That's what you'd be trying to do. If you traded AD, you'd be looking to get enough pieces to put around LeBron to really make something work next season. Fix all the mistakes you made last summer. To give up a talent like AD just to try to undo the decision-making of the pre previous summer, that hurts. That really does hurt. That's something that's tough to do. What do you get in return? I think that matters a lot too. If the Lakers are at a point where they just say, you know what, it's not going to work with AD. We don't think he can be our 1A guy whenever LeBron rides off into the sunset. Okay, maybe you do look at something. Maybe you do, because that was the idea when Anthony Davis came in was AD is this younger star. He's one of the top players in the league. When LeBron is done, it's going to be AD's team. He's going to be the guy to lead the team into the future. And if they've made the decision that that is no longer going to happen, then you've got to at least consider it. You've got to at least consider looking at a move. Now, that doesn't mean that it's a fire sale. That doesn't mean that you go trade him for whatever. That means you're going to set a very high bar in terms of what you want in return for Anthony Davis. You're going to have very clear expectations. What those are, I can't wrap my head around that just yet. But you'd be expecting a lot in return for him. Where do you trade him? Again, we could spend all offseason talking about it. I think if AD is on board, it's something where you at least check and you see what you can get. Doesn't hurt anything if AD is on board. That's where I'm at with that situation. Let's see what else we've got here. Got all kinds of stuff coming in right now. This is... Again, this was not an easy game for the Lakers. We knew this was going to be a tough one. They do follow the Jazz, but again, not surprisingly, the chat is mostly talking about next season, this offseason. Uh, J.J. Wolf said, I enjoyed watching Russ give Gobert some good hard fouls. He did. He really kind of went after him a few times. 
hit him hard on the arms, made sure he, he got the foul called. There was one time when I thought he shouldn't have when he was posted up by Gobert and help had come over. I think it was THT came over and Russ just immediately fouled Gobert. Uh, probably didn't need to do it there, but maybe he maybe he felt like it at that point. Uh, just Ricky said trading AD would be stupid. Yeah, look, they trading AD, it's a you have to bowl me over kind of situation, right? You're not trading him just to get the right pieces in or just to get guys who might fit a little bit better but are a clear step down talent-wise. You're trading AD if you're getting a great, great offer. And that's why I'm saying you're just you're listing. Most likely, if the Lakers are considering trading AD, you don't wind up doing it. You don't wind up doing it. But if you get a great, great offer that, that can really set you up for the future, maybe that's where you can talk yourself into it. You listen, but chances are you probably don't wind up pulling, pulling the trigger. Uh, Dame Blaze said, Road Mello is horrible and Trevor Ariza needs to announce, announce his retirement immediately. I am I was so shocked when that starting lineup came out. When the Lakers sent out the starting lineup to media and I saw it, I went, oh my gosh, they're starting Trevor Ariza in this game. I was, was so surprised. I didn't understand why that was happening, but... Ariza hasn't played much recently, and he finds himself in the starting lineup tonight. He was not great in this game. Ariza, 2-for-9, shooting 0-for-4 from 3, played 25 minutes in this one. I don't know if he was just kind of eating minutes while the Lakers wait to get LeBron back tomorrow or what that was about, but that was not a great performance for Trevor Ariza. By the way, 37th, everybody, 37th different starting lineup now that the Lakers had tonight. 37 lineups on the season. That's absurd. That is ridiculous to have that many. That's a record. It's a record since we've been tracking this thing. And the Lakers have already set the record. They're just adding on to that. Every time they put out a different starting lineup, I, I don't know. Frank Vogel is just like, is he trolling everyone now and just trying to come up with a new starting lineup? I don't know. It, this is a lot of starting lineups for a team to go through. Obviously, it's never happened before that a team has gone through this many, at least since we've been tracking it. That, that's incredible. That's incredible. The Lakers have had 37 different starting lineups this season. Unbelievable. James Bell, you can't bring back Carmelo Anthony next season. He's not consistent enough on the road, on the offensive side to make up for the defensive side. I mean, that's always the gamble. That's always the gamble with Carmelo Anthony. It's can his offense, can his floor spacing, his three-point shooting, can that make up for what you're going to give up on the other end of the floor defensively? And that's a decision for whoever the coach is next year and the Lakers front office to make. And Carmelo Anthony, does he want to continue playing or does he just say, you know what, I'm going to call it a career here or maybe he wants to go somewhere else? We'll see. We'll see what Carmelo Anthony ultimately decides and what the Lakers decide there. I think you can make arguments for or against him. He's had good moments. He's had moments where he shot really well for the Lakers. But you're right, on the road, it's not quite the same as when he's got the L.A. crowd behind him. Marlon Dillard said, Covington over Mello. I'm in agreement with that. I think I think Robert Covington, he's not the prolific scorer, of course, that Carmelo Anthony is. It's not like a possession breaks down. You can give the ball to Robert Covington the way you can Carmelo. But his defensive versatility would be really valuable on this team, particularly if you do keep Anthony Davis, he could be a nice piece there. The question is, what are you going to have to pay for it? Because there's going to be a lot of teams that will be uh, looking at Robert Covington. Again, he'll be a free agent this summer, currently with the Clippers. And the Clippers might just pay him, might just pay him and keep him. We could see that happen as well. But Robert Covington is kind of the anti-mellow. 
in that he's got all the defensive versatility that Carmelo Anthony doesn't, but he doesn't have the offensive game that Carmelo does. Melo will dominate in the big three. That that could happen. Melo really could dominate in the big three, but I think Melo is still good enough to play in the NBA if he does, if he does want to. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Maddie James from YouTube, the Super Chat, feels like every team in the NBA is kicking their chops and happy about the Lakers struggles. No matter who they play, they're looking to beat this team down. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Look, I mean, the Lakers have beaten down teams for decades, for decades. And so that then gives you, if you are another team, that gives you a little bit of extra motivation to come back in and say, yeah, remember when these guys were pounding? us into the ground. They were beating us every single time they played us. Yeah, we're going to go. We're going to get our revenge now. It's a thing. And they also know, if you're an opposing team, you know that when you play the Lakers, that game's going to have more eyeballs on it than one of your regular games, right? If you're the Utah Jazz, you've got more people watching this game if you're playing the Lakers and it's on national television than if you're playing the Orlando Magic or, or whoever. And so that matters too. Players want to look their best when they're on national TV, when they're playing the Lakers. There's a lot of eyeballs. That's something that all, that also matters. Uh, people say Covington sucks. No, I think Covington is very versatile. I think that he, he fits in a system. Carol Zorbano, Reeves just suddenly stopped scoring. Why is he not playing good anymore? Uh, Reeves, his shot has gone missing recently. It's been... a you know, he's 0 for 1 from the field tonight. He just hasn't been in a rhythm. I still think we know Reeves is a lot better than what we've seen recently, but he's just kind of in a little bit of a, a funk right now. Hopefully it's something that he will pull out of here. Maddie James of the Super Chat says, I love these young players we have for the Lakers. The effort and the fight they put into every game, no matter what, the only positive to come of this season. The young guys. So talking about Wenyan Gabriel, we're talking about Stanley Johnson, some of these guys that are going out there fighting. Austin Reeves certainly fights every night. These guys will hustle there in, to varying degrees, they're kind of fighting for their NBA lives, right? I mean, Stanley Johnson, not guaranteed for next year. Austin Reeves, same thing. He just kind of plays that way anyway. Uh, Wenyan Gabriel, of course. So you've got these guys that are, regardless of where the team's at in the standings, they're fighting to stay in the league next season and to impress somebody. And they're they're doing a nice job. They're doing a nice job. In fact, I think if you're going into next season and you've got all of those guys, you're happy with that. You're happy with Austin Reeves and Stanley Johnson and Wenyan Gabriel, even if they're deep bench guys. 
you're happy having those guys as part of your system and part of your team next season. So I, I think they're they're all making an impact. And you're right. I think their effort, it does make the games a bit more enjoyable when you see a guy just going out there and, and scrapping every single possession. Uh, Brian Conant said, what's special about the encased ball behind you? So obviously this is great podcasting here if you're listening to the audio version of this. But behind me, I do have a Lakers basketball that is in a case. Uh, that was a birthday gift from my sister. It is a Lakers ball that was signed by every player on the team from a from the year I was born, which also happened to be a championship year. So one of my favorite pieces of, of Lakers memorabilia. It's uh, it's signed by all the guys on the team, and uh, and again from the year that I was born. So that's that's why I put it in my background there. Sean Tate, will Vogel ever be a head coach after this year? I wouldn't be surprised if he was somewhere, if he came back. I imagine he'll probably be an assistant coach somewhere next year, and he could work his way back up to being a head coach at some point. But I think he's fairly well-respected in this league. He won an NBA championship. That also matters. I also wouldn't be surprised if he takes next year off, if he isn't coaching next year, just to kind of decompress. He's talked about how this has been his most difficult season that he's ever coached. And he's been on teams that have lost a lot. He coached the Magic for a little while. So I understand the frustration that he's got to be feeling too. Wouldn't surprise me if he took a little bit of time to kind of recharge and then got back in the mix, takes the season off, and then we'll see him somewhere next season. That would not surprise me, or season after next. Wouldn't surprise me at all. I think we're pretty sure that Vogel is not going to be back next year with this Lakers team. It's just, it's rare to see a coach hang on to this, to their spot after a season like this my guy bad dog says lakers need defense yeah they definitely do they absolutely do regardless of who the coach is you could say if it's frank vogel you need to find defensive pieces for next year that's absolutely true but even assuming it's not you need guys and we've said it all along alongside lebron james it's not rocket science you need guys who can shoot threes and can defend that's what you're looking for you need guys who can do those things for you and I don't feel like the Lakers got enough of them. At least they didn't get enough guys this offseason that could do both things. You've got guys who can shoot but not defend. You have guys who can kind of defend but not really shoot. They really need some two-way players that they can put alongside LeBron and whoever else is here. Anthony Davis, whoever else is with the Lakers. Ricardo said, I don't understand the Lakers' decision to keep Vogel if they will fire him at the end of the season. In soccer, for example, you either get rid of a coach for a short-term bounce or you get players to fit his vision. So Ricardo, if I'm understanding this correctly, you're arguing that the Lakers should have gotten rid of him already. Why did you keep him for the remainder of the season? I'm in agreement. I thought for sure that at the very least, if the Lakers know, if you know you're not going to bring back Frank Vogel, which you we're probably at that point. Let's be honest. You're probably at that point this year. You might as well... At the very least, find out what Phil Handy can do as a head coach. And you mentioned the short-term bounce. There is an effect that usually does happen where when you remove a coach and you bring in somebody else, there is a short-term boost in the play of that team. Because the team goes, oh my gosh, something is new. It can kind of snap teams out of it. It's like it's like getting a bucket of cold water thrown on the team, right? It wakes you up and suddenly you're suddenly you're alert again and you can get an improvement in performance. Now, it's not usually a long-term effect. It's a short-term thing, but I'm in agreement with you. I think that they probably should have done that. I think why the Lakers didn't is they looked around and thought, 
I don't see the guy who's going to take over this team. Do we want to hand it over to David Fisdale? Probably not. We saw what happened when Frank Vogel was dealing with uh, health and safety protocols. What happened there? It wasn't a, a successful stretch. And for whatever reason, they apparently didn't want to go to Phil Handy just yet. That would have been my preference. And they didn't see the outside hire that would have made sense to bring in midseason. And I also think that if you're looking for somebody long-term, there probably weren't a lot of coaches outside of the organization right now that number one are available that aren't with a team. And then number two would want to walk into that situation. You know, you can say like, a, am not saying this is the guy they should have gone after, but a coach like a Mike D'Antoni or even a Jeff Van Gundy, Stan Van Gundy, some of these guys that have a history in the NBA, they're not going to want to walk into this midseason. They see the way things are going. They're not going to want that. They would rather, if you're going to bring in somebody like that, they'd rather come in, in during the summer, have a say in how the roster is assembled and then go from there. So there's a lot of reasons why I think it played out like it did. But ultimately, I'm in agreement that they probably should have moved on and at least tried out Phil Handy as their head coach, if only because it, it wasn't going to get a whole lot worse than this, I don't think. All right, let's see what else we've got going here. <laughs> I've got people having an argument in the chat over whether or not the Lakers should trade Matt the Optimist Peralta. That is funny. <laughs> Matty James with another super chat. Thank you, Matty. said, when looking at all the young players the Lakers had before this season, like Lonzo, Caruso, Kuz, Ingram, etc., these were guys that could defend and also help space the floor, and we got rid of all that for what? Well, you got rid of that for... Anthony Davis, essentially. That's what you got rid of that for. And then in Caruso's case, he was a casualty, ultimately, of the Russell Westbrook trade, the decision to keep THT. Uh, Kuzma was going to be on his way out regardless. He was either going to go in the Buddy Heel deal or go in the Westbrook deal. But you're right. Those are guys who ultimately probably could have fit alongside LeBron. And I'm not going to speak ill of the Anthony Davis trade. I mean, the Lakers got a championship out of the Anthony Davis trade. I don't think the Lakers, if you have LeBron and B.I. and Lonzo and Kuzma, that team's not winning a championship. That team's not winning a championship right now. The Lakers would have 16 championships still without the Anthony Davis trade. So I'm not going to argue against that trade. But yeah, if we're looking at things right now, if you were to just magically put all those players on the Lakers alongside LeBron, they might look okay. They might look pretty good. Um, but the reality was also... If you're the Lakers, you've got all those young guys. You're not going to be able to pay all of them under the constraints of the salary cap moving forward. You just, you weren't going to be able to do that. So that was a factor too in the decision to kind of consolidate all of that and make that Anthony Davis trade. Uh, I've got a question here or comment from Facebook. Hey, Trevor, what's the point of getting Ellington if we haven't given, given him a chance? He's a shooter that's uh, we've wanted. You can argue that Wayne Ellington maybe should have got some more minutes, but defensively, it hasn't worked out there. He hasn't been that dynamic on the offensive end of the floor. I think, frankly, Malik Monk has been so good that he's usurped all the minutes from Wayne Ellington. I think that's kind of what's happened there. And rightfully so. I think there's no question that Malik Monk has been a much higher impact player. He's more versatile on the offensive end of the floor, for sure. Uh, somebody said, uh, <laughs> but you pay Russ 40 million. Yeah, look, 
40 million for Russ is less than what it would cost you to pay B.I. and Lonzo and Josh Hart and Kyle Coop, like stacking up all those guys. Now, again, again, I'm not trying to defend the Russell Westbrook trade. It clearly was not the correct move for the Lakers. By the way, I thought Russ was just fine tonight. I enjoyed what we saw out of him tonight, but obviously it was not the right move. So I'm not trying to defend the Russell Westbrook trade or anything like that, but those aren't the same thing. Those aren't the same thing. Schroeder wanted a hundred million. Yeah. And he got five. He got five. And yes, it is 44 million this year, 47 million next year. I know for Russell Westbrook, I'm very aware of the contract situation. Um, from this game, tonight's game, again, I thought the Lakers did everything that they could in order to pick up the win. thought the Lakers fought hard. We'll see if they can bring that into tomorrow night's game. Once again, tomorrow night against the Pelicans, that is the must, must, must win. I sure hope, I sure hope the Lakers get, uh, get that win. Get that win tomorrow. At least keep hope alive. Continue going down the stretch. Chris Tyrell said, need to be thinking about a young core around AD. That's the future. That that might be something like if the Lakers make the decision. And this is, so first and foremost, if we're looking at the Lakers' decisions they have to make this offseason, number one on the list is Russell Westbrook. What are you doing with him? Is it a trade? Is it a buyout? If it is a trade, what are you trying to put into the deal? Is it future picks? Is it other players? What are you getting back? That's your big move. That's your big move in the summer. It's what do you do with Russell Westbrook? Everything else is a domino off of that, off of that. Everything else you have to decide from there. If you decide that your future of your team is still Anthony Davis and you want to surround him with some young players that can help moving forward, so be it. And maybe that influences what you do with a a rust trade. Maybe that influences what you do with Taylor Horton Tucker with his contract this offseason or a Kendrick Nunn, someone like that. And it also can influence the guys you go after, whether it's in the draft. And again, the Lakers don't have any picks but they could potentially buy a pick in the second round or something like that. So does that influence what you go after if your idea of moving forward is we build around AD? If not, and you're looking at maybe making a trade with him, that's also going to change everything. So you kind of have to make these big decisions and then build from there. You really have to know what you're doing. If AD is staying and you say, nope, we are not trading him, that's great. But you've got to make the correct decisions to build that team around AD and LeBron James. <laughs> Over under bet 200K post-tax play-in or not. Right now, the odds are against the Lakers making the play-in. Right now, they're against it. And it's because they dropped so many different games this season to teams they shouldn't have. The Spurs have played better and they've surged like we didn't expect them to. Right now, the odds are against the Lakers because again, the Lakers have two essentially winnable games left on their record or on their schedule. The Spurs have two as well. If the Lakers and Spurs stay even the rest of the way, the Spurs get through. Why did totally clueless Vogel play Gabriel 10 minutes, even though he was shooting efficiently? Uh, Because of foul trouble. Wendy and Gabriel had five fouls. So that's why he didn't get more minutes out there. Five fouls. Andrew P said Reeves is on a cold streak. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit. He hasn't been playing quite quite as well recently. But again, hopefully, hopefully that's just a, a blip. And uh, he'll be, be back to himself soon. Lakers have no such thing as winnable games. Look, fair, I know. They've found ways to lose games to all kinds of teams, uh, whether it's the Thunder, the Rockets, whatever, right? It's happened all season long. I get it. I understand the sentiment. 
But I'm saying, if you're looking at the schedule, do you think the Lakers have a better chance of defeating the Thunder? Or do they have a better chance of defeating the Suns or the Warriors? I think that's pretty clear there. Anakin Mohan, Trevor, the Bucks nets game was fun to watch. That was indeed a fun one. We got to check that one out during our, our live stream as well. We got to do our live play-by-play -play over on Playback. If you guys haven't joined us for that yet, would highly encourage you to do so. We'll do it again tomorrow night. Always put the link out in the last video. I put it in the description of the last video that we've put out on YouTube. So you can find it there and, uh, and you can come join us. We do a live play-by-play -play and you can actually watch the game right with us with our, our commentary. It's a, it's a good time. A lot of fun. Avi B, I disagree. Wayne can play 20-ish minutes a, a game and as a deadly shooter. If guys like Shamit, Joe Harris, Luke Kennard get run, Wayne can be a great fit with LBJ. There's a big difference between the guys you named and Wayne Ellington. That's age. That's age. Those guys are all capable of doing some other things. Now, in terms of skill set, if you squint, can Wayne Ellington do those things? Sure. But these guys are also younger, have a little bit more spring in their step, um, and that's going to make them a little bit more effective on uh, on the offensive end of the floor. So I think that's a factor here. Uh, defensively, there's some differences there as well. On the season, on the season, Wayne Ellington is shooting just fine, 39% from three. But again, I think you do give up some other things elsewhere. If you need a shooter, I, I don't have a problem with putting Wayne Ellington in the game. I think he's just fine as a player. I've always appreciated him as a professional. But I can also understand why the Lakers went away from him. Again, you can make an argument that they need shooting and to put him back out there on the floor. I don't know if you can make that argument when LeBron isn't in the game, though. Alongside LeBron, Ellington makes a lot more sense than he does right now, where basically everybody else is asked to do a lot more stuff. <laughs> Russ took the technical free throw, stopped watching. Maddie James, I'd rather have Monk instead of Wayne. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I would also rather see, I'd also rather see Monk out there. He's simply, he's just, he's a better player, which I mean, Monk is 24 years old. So not a surprise. That's nothing against, against him. Let's see what else we've got going on here. AD and THT for Cat. I don't think the Wolves want to move on from Carl Anthony Towns. Don't think that's that's happening. Monk took the technical free throw. I thought so too. I thought the Monk did indeed take the technical free throw. But he did miss it. He did miss it. Oh, so this all leads us into obviously there's no 360 award tonight because it was just it was just Russell Westbrook out there. Question is. What about the next man up? Who do you think stepped up the most tonight for the Lakers? So chat, let me know. Coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter. Who is it that stepped up the most for the Lakers tonight? Not named Russell Westbrook. Curious to see what you guys say. Looking at the possible options for tonight's game. You've got Dwight Howard, 21 and 12. I think that's a really strong option right there. 14 and 4 for Malik Monk. 12 from Carmelo Anthony. I have a feeling it's going to be very clear, though. I think it's a win for Dwight Howard. Yep. 
I'm seeing it across the board. I'm seeing Dwight, 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 nobody, <laughs> Dwight. That's what I'm seeing in the, in the chat right now. Oh, somebody said Will Smith. Oh, man. Dwight Howard. Yeah, Dwight Howard gets the next man up tonight. Again, 21-12 and 12 for Dwight battling against Rudy Gobert. Even hit a three. Dwight Howard even hit a three. And people ask this all the time. They say, why isn't Dwight? Oh, no. The super chat. Somebody said, uh, Lakers are going to win tomorrow. April Fool's. Ouch. Already we're hitting those. But yes, Dwight Howard definitely gets it. Dwight hitting threes doesn't surprise me all that much because he actually works on those in his warm-up routine. If you've ever seen him go through his warm-ups, he does shoot threes. He just doesn't get the opportunity to do it very often in games. I don't think he's efficient enough to truly be a stretch five and shoot it all the time. But if he gets put in a situation where he needs to shoot that shot, he can do it competently. It's not like he is completely out of his out of his element to step back there and shoot that, particularly from the corners. So he can hit it, but I, I don't think it's ever going to be really part of his game. But it doesn't surprise me when he knocks them down because it is something that he that he does as part of his warm-up. Uh, Matty James, Masterlock, the guy in the chat that said that said THT is Kobe 2.0. Well, obviously, they're not being serious. They're not being serious. With that, let's get JaVale McGee back. The problem is with, hey, let's go get, let's go get JaVale McGee or somebody like that. If they command more than a veteran minimum, the Lakers probably can't get them. If you have, unless you do something to move off Russ and free up a bunch of money, most likely the only spending power the Lakers will have this offseason is their taxpayer mid-level exception. And that's it. That's it. Everything else will have to be a veteran minimum if you have Russ, AD, and LeBron on your books. So that puts you in a really difficult spot. Trying to fix this when you can't really spend money in free agency. There's not a lot of free agents out there this offseason, by the way, as well. So it's going to be extra challenging for the Lakers this summer to really turn this around the way they'd like to. Would he leave the Suns for us? I don't I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. But again, JaVale is making more than veteran minimum salary, so it's really tough for the Lakers to get somebody like him at this point. Let's bring back DeMarcus Cousins, somebody said. Uh, who knows? We'll see what he does with the Nuggets in the, in the playoffs and what that looks like. Bad Dog says, none is the equivalent of a free agent for next season. Yes, that's something we were talking about on the, on the live play-by-play -play today. So Kendrick Nunn is, assuming he gets healthy, he's probably going to, he's going to pick up that $5.2 million player option. And then... If the Lakers don't trade him, which they might need a salary in a trade, but if they don't, it's like you're getting a new player being added to your roster because he didn't play at all this season. He played a couple of preseason games and that was it. So assuming he heals up, he's supposed to be getting an MRI pretty soon, but he heals up over the summer. You get him back. He was a really good player. I mean, look, I know people are frustrated with him for not playing this season, but we were really excited when the Lakers got him for that price tag. There were a lot of raised eyebrows around the NBA, people saying, how did they just get this guy? For five, for five million, he's a 15 point per game scorer. How do they pull this off? They could have something with him next year if he can stay healthy. And again, I know right now in this moment, there's a lot of frustration with Kendrick Nunn, the fact that he hasn't been available all season, but he is like a free agent signing coming in because we can assume he's going to pick up that option and you're going to have him. If he stays healthy, he's definitely worth that 5.2 million he's going to get next season. So that can certainly help you out. 
Not saying he's a world beater, not saying he's an all-star or anything like that, but he'd be a rotation player easily for the Lakers next season. Trevor, do you think there's a realistic AD to Miami deal that uh, to be done with Robinson, Lowry, and Tucker? I would not do that if I'm the Lakers. You're talking about taking on a bunch of older guys. Duncan Robinson, so much of his value is tied to his shooting ability. I'm not doing that deal if I'm the Lakers. I don't think that's something that is, is an equal value in, in return. If I'm Miami, I would say yes in an instant to that. The thought of having Bam and Anthony Davis side by side is absolutely terrifying. Uh, if I'm the Lakers, I'm not doing that deal. Let's see what else a lot of people also saying they would they would not do that deal. AD AD to Chicago for Vucevic, Patrick Williams, Kobe White, and two firsts. So you're getting a big, you're getting a young player with some upside in Patrick Williams. You're getting Kobe White and you're getting two first round picks. Sending a Chicago would certainly be interested in bringing their hometown town guy back. If I'm the Lakers, I'm if I'm trading with Chicago, I'm trying to get Zach Levine. The problem is that's a sign-and-trade situation. Then you've got all kinds of other problems, too, dealing with that, because that also triggers a hard cap. Gets complicated trying to do a deal with the Bulls. I, the Bulls would certainly be a team that would be interested, but let's face it. If the Lakers, this option, whenever the Lakers season ends, if word gets out that the Lakers are looking at moving Anthony Davis, there will be no shortage of options. There will be a lot of teams offering stuff for Anthony Davis. Now, will it be enough to do a deal? Probably not. There'll probably be some teams trying to fleece the Lakers, trying to say, you know what? Hey, this team's got to make some moves. Let's see if they're really desperate to make a move and let's see if we can get Anthony Davis on the cheap, particularly coming off of an injury plague season. But but if the Lakers put them out there, there's going to be lots of suitors. Chicago would be one of them. I'm sure there'd be a number of other teams too. We would be inundated with fake AD trade rumors that we'd be hearing all, all summer long. So it'll be a thing. We'll hear his name pop up, I'm sure. I think ultimately the Lakers hang on to him, but we'll see. You never know. You never know. The Lakers have made big moves. Rob Palenka has shown that he's willing to make big moves, sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. Bad dog, thanks. Got to give you credit, Trev. The NBA salary cap is extremely confusing, but you know it well. Thank you. I, I give a lot of that credit to Keith Smith, who's my co-host over on the NBA front office show. I learn a lot of salary cap stuff just from co-hosting with him because he, even the most obscure stuff that I need to ask, he knows. He's he's amazing with all that. So I picked up a lot from him, but, uh, but I've also worked hard at uh, understanding the cap and everything. It does get extremely complicated it's nuts. It's it's almost like the NBA sits down and like tries to come up with ways to make it more complicated each and every year. But but appreciate the compliment. All right, let's do a few more, and then uh, we'll get to the master lock and uh, and call it a night here. Do people still think there's a chance for the Lakers this year? I don't think that most people are looking at the Lakers, assuming that there's a real chance that they're gonna you know, go win at all or anything. If you look at the betting lines in Vegas, though, it's like some people are still putting money on the Lakers, just like people are putting money on Brooklyn right now, just because they've got the, the big names. 
I wouldn't be doing either of those things. I'd, I think the ship has sailed on the season. They're not going to win a championship this year. That's very clear. I still want to see them fight all the way through. I, I want to see them compete every, every night, go out there, do what they can. But I don't think the Lakers are going to, uh, are going to make any kind of a serious run. I think at this point, we, we kind of know what it is. We know what it is. JM, it's a sure thing AD is playing next game. So AD and LeBron both right now in the same boat. They both are intending to play, right? If the game was was starting now, they would say, yes, we're, we're playing. The only way that changes. So tomorrow, they're both, sometime before the game, they're both going to get out on the floor. They're going to run around a little bit. They're going to get some shots up. They're going to do a little bit of lateral work. They're going to do some cuts and jumps and things, things of that nature. They're going to test it out. Should they suddenly feel pain or more pain than they've been feeling or something not feel right, that could prevent them from playing. But as of right now, the way things are right now, both are planning on playing tomorrow night against the Pelicans. That's where we're at right now. Trevor Lane would have probably shot better than Trevor Ariza tonight. Well, I mean, not to... Not to pat myself on the back or anything, but I was my school's three-point shootout champion in junior high. That did happen. No, I would not shoot well in an NBA game. I wouldn't put, I wouldn't even go that far. All right, let's do one more and then let's get to the master lock of the night. Jason Giovanni, you are speaking my language here. Why not put LeBron back on the ball? The one year he was on the ball, he won a ring. The three he wasn't, we sucked. Yes, please. That is my, that's one of my goals of the offseason. Don't worry so much about getting a high volume or high usage point guard. For whatever reason, LeBron likes having another ball handler out there on the floor. Likes having somebody that on paper can take the burden off of him for playmaking, but then invariably the ball winds up in LeBron's hands anyway. Because who's better than LeBron? Not many people, right? Probably nobody. So that's a problem. If you're spending a lot of your resources getting a point guard when your best player is essentially a point guard, it becomes superfluous. And that's kind of what we saw with Westbrook this year. There's a lot of other things too that made that fit not work. It's also though what we saw with Dennis Schroeder. When push comes to shove, like Dennis Schroeder isn't a bad player, but do you want the ball in his hands or do you want the ball in LeBron's hands? And then if it's in LeBron's hands, how effective is Dennis Schroeder? How effective is Russell Westbrook when he doesn't have the ball in his hands? That's a challenge. And so if I'm the Lakers this offseason, if you move Russell Westbrook, I'm not spending a lot of resources on a point guard. You need a backup. You need somebody who can come in and run things effectively when LeBron's not on the floor. But otherwise, LeBron is your guy that initiates the offense. Around him, you're finding guys who can defend and can shoot threes. And if they can do anything else, great. But you're focusing on those two things in particular, and you're not worrying so much about ball handling. So I'm in agreement. I think that you do just rely on LeBron to be your ball handler, be your initiator, and then go from there. If you can get some guys who can attack off the bounce, great. If you can get some guys who can be a secondary attacker, even be a fill-in as the guy bringing the ball up the court, like a Malik Monk, fantastic. But ultimately, LeBron's the guy that you want with the ball in his hands. Avi B with the Super Chat said, is Genie too loyal to Rob or Rambus? Hashtag, what would Jerry do? Maybe, maybe that may be the case. That may indeed be the case. She might just be too loyal. I think they've looked within the Lakers family tree too often. 
And if I'm doing anything in regards to the front office, I don't think they're going to get rid of Rob, but I'd bring in an outside voice, bring in somebody else who really gets the, the cap and how important all that stuff is. Not saying that Rob doesn't understand it, but I do think you need an outside voice coming in that might have a little bit different perspective. If for anything, just to kind of provide a little bit of diversity in terms of the thought process in that front office. That's what I'd be looking for. All right, let's get into the master lock of the night. So chat, let us know what gets the master lock, whether it's from this game or not, <laughs> whether it's not from this, there's not a lot to master lock out of this one, but let us know what would you put in the master lock tonight coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter. If you haven't been part of this show before, which let's face it at this point, you probably have, if you're still with us at this point in the season, what we do is we take our good friend, Chris, the masterpiece masters, his finishing hold in the wrestling ring. We take something that annoyed us and we put it in that just to vent a little bit. Oh, let's see. I've got people saying master lock THT master lock the entire season. I think that's fair. That's probably coming whenever the season ends master lock the injuries Master Lock Ariza, Master Lock Kendrick Nunn, Master Lock Vogel, Master Lock THT and Mike Conley, Master Lock the whole season, Master Lock the season, Master Lock Ariza. I'm going to say Master Lock 37 starting lineups. I think that is crazy. Some of it's been injury related, of course, but I also think you didn't have to rotate things quite this much if you're Frank Vogel. 37 different starting lineups in a season that is 82 games in total and you're what, 76 in? 37 different starting lineups in 76 games is insane. Um, so that's what's going to get the master lock for me tonight. There's no consistency there when you're constantly changing up your starting five. And again, some of that's not Vogel's fault. Some of that's injury related, but still that's absolutely abs absurd that they've had that many different starting lineups. So that's going to get my master lock tonight. All right, everybody. I appreciate all of you joining me. Obviously, it's been a difficult season. I know it's been a long season. It's been a grind. Those of you who are still here, thank you guys. You guys are the real ones. You've made it through, made it through almost, made it through what again has been in my mind. And I know a lot of Lakers fans feel this too. The worst Lakers season that we've seen. I really think this is the worst. And here we are still standing. So give yourself a pat on the back for that, for sure. Make sure you are subscribing over to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Don't forget to turn on those notifications as well. And of course, the Lakers Nation podcast. Follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever, and then make sure you do. Give us that five-star rating and toss us a review too. I love reading the reviews that come in over on Apple Podcasts. Till next time, everybody. Stay safe and see ya. Let's please get a win tomorrow against the Pelicans.